Welcome to the Grappling Discourse Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Scaff, and today I want to talk about some of my future plans. So things are about to change pretty dramatically for me. I am no longer going to be teaching Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. That's pretty crazy to say. I've been doing it for so long now. I've been teaching classes, but yeah, I'm making a, a pretty big switch. And let me explain a little bit further. So I know that's probably shocking to some of you guys, uh, but I first started teaching right after I got my blue belt. So I got my blue belt two months later. I was lucky enough to be able to teach a gentleman pretty regularly for the next year, just private lessons. And during that time, I, I didn't teach any classes until Brandon had to take a, a pretty significant break because he had a broken bone in his neck. So he had to fix his neck. He had neck surgery. And so I taught at 10th Planet Jiu-Jitsu Decatur. I taught all the classes for about two months. Then Brandon came back and he resumed teaching and I was just back to my private lesson. And I was mostly teaching private lessons other than that two-month stint from blue belt to brown belt. And I tried at brown belt, like at the beginning of my brown belt. Actually, no, it was a little bit earlier than that. Um, I, I was late stage purple belt and I tried to run an early morning class. So that was kind of my first time trying to start my own class. And I asked Brandon about teaching because I, I wanted to have a spot, but he was, you know, the main teacher and he was teaching all the, the prime spots, you know, he was teaching the noon classes and he was teaching the night classes. So he thought it'd be a good idea to possibly throw in a morning class at 6 a.m. We'd seen it have a lot of uh, success at other schools, and it just seemed like we needed it here. So I started teaching a 6 a.m. class, and I was doing that Tuesdays and Thursdays at 6 a.m. And for the first month, I had like 8 to 10 people. Um, but after a few months, it slowly dwindled till there was about one or two, and then there would just be certain days like nobody came. And so I stopped teaching that class. I got my brown belt and had shoulder surgery and I was off the mats and really didn't teach or do anything for you know the next six months. I didn't teach any private lessons. I was obviously training on my own and, and trying to get better and trying to get my, my shoulder healthy, but I wasn't doing any lessons or anything. But when I came back from that shoulder injury, I brought that six month mark, I um, you know, we had moved into a new gym and honestly, the school had like exploded. So it was the third iteration of the gym. It was the third spot and it's at the spot we're at now. We've been here now over six years. And if you guys have ever been here, you've seen like the mat space is huge. It's just a phenomenal facility. And each year it just gets better and better. But we really exploded. We were in this workout gym that was 24-7, but you had to have a key card to get in. So it was just tough to find. And I think it really um, limited our growth. So when we moved to this big spot, it, it just, I don't know, the community got pretty excited about it and we were just exploded. I mean, probably six months from uh, being in the new spot that the gym more than doubled in student um, and students that were paying. So it was just amazing. And so Brandon needed somebody to teach. And there were two other schools also, or excuse me, there's only, there was one other school, 10th Planet Muscle Shoals was a, a thing and Brandon was going up there and teaching. So he wanted me to start a class. And so I started teaching on Monday nights 
and it, it was uh, slow at the beginning, you know. So Brandon's classes Tuesday, Thursday night would typically at that time have like 25, 30 people in it. And my class Monday nights would be about 10, you know, 10 to 15. Well, it, it slowly grew um, and, and to the point where I was, you know, averaging 20, 25 people. And I've been doing that for, you know, almost six years now. But I, I've really decided that it's just not the direction that I, I want to go like I don't really enjoy teaching classes I've never really enjoyed doing seminars um, you know I, I've done a handful of seminars but it's just something I never really enjoyed teaching I, I enjoyed it for a bit but especially the past couple of years I, I just I feel like it's been more of a, a burden than something that I was like always looking forward to do but it was a big responsibility for me I like never missed class I never um I never asked for substitutes. I mean, I, I really didn't take any trips because, um, you know, I started teaching on Friday nights. And so it was just tough for me. Like, I, I didn't even really want to leave on the weekends because I didn't want to miss my Friday night teaching. And I didn't and I didn't want to miss Monday. I, I didn't want to miss either one of those. So it was very, very, very rare for me to miss those spots that I was teaching. And then obviously I filled in a bunch over the over these past six years for Brandon teaching um, you know, his classes as well. And as Brandon, you know, there was a couple of periods in Brandon's journey where, you know, he was gone a lot. He was doing tons and tons of seminars. And so I, I was coming and in or I was um, filling in for him a bunch. Um, but now we have so many talented students and so many guys that, you know, really teach well that Brandon's been asking other people to teach his classes instead of me. And at first I was kind of like, man, that, that's wild, you know, that we have people because it used to just always be me. But like I said, now there's a handful of people that, you know, do great jobs filling in for Brandon. And it, I've just been thinking about, again, what I want to do. Like, do I want to open up a gym one day? Do I want to like do tons of seminars? Like, how do I want to continue to grow as a professional in this field of Brazilian jiu-jitsu? And I, I just, again, I, I don't think it's the teaching path. Like, I, I don't want to, uh, you know, teach hundreds and hundreds and thousands of people to do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu. But what I really do enjoy is one-on-one -on -one coaching, like coaching and teaching um, athletes. And as I've been working with more and more people, um, a couple in particular at 10th Planet Decatur, I just really realized, like, that's where my passion is. Like I've absolutely loved working with two people in particular, you know, um, Nakaya being um, Nakaya and, and Travis being the, the two, um, the two that I, I've been working the most with. And I, I just, I don't know. I, I absolutely love the day to day coaching, planning what they're going to do and seeing their development. It is just so fulfilling. And I've always been somebody that kind of listens to their heart. Like I'm willing to take risks. I'm willing to change things up. Now, I'm not as spontaneous as just like, oh, okay, I'm feeling this way. So I'm going to immediately stop doing this. or I'm going to immediately go and do that. I usually take about six months. And if for six months I've been feeling a certain way, then I make a change. And I try and make that change pretty uh, immediate after that six-month mark. And so as of last week, I was just, I told Brandon, I was like, look, like, I don't really want to teach classes anymore. Like, I just, I don't want to teach classes and I've got no desire to open up a gym. I was listening to a podcast with, um, you know, a famous Brazilian jiu-jitsu practitioner that's, you know, real young. 
and you know their their goal is to open up a gym one day like i don't think i ever want to open up a gym one day i just want to be a coach and i really want to try and help and, and create champions like i really want to try and help people reach their goals on the competition scene i want a game plan i want to study other athletes like i really enjoy watching athletes um and like game planning for those athletes so for instance nakaya just competed at finisher sub only it was a huge tournament this past weekend in pennsylvania and we went up there and she did phenomenal her first round matchup was uh, against a really really tough opponent who's got a pretty pretty decent name especially in the in the northeast and nakaya just went through the game plan all the stuff we had worked perfectly and she ended up finishing with a high elbow guillotine but the thing that I loved about it was we had talked, we've been working a lot over the past month on our anaconda choke. And I was telling her like, look, like the anaconda, once they, once your opponent starts to defend the anaconda, well, it's going to open up that naked guillotine. And so Nakaya jumped on the anaconda first, got close to finishing, but just didn't quite have the, the proper positioning and, and the finishing mechanics in place. And so her opponent escaped. So the second time Nakaya went for it, she felt that defense and she slipped in that that naked guillotine that we had been talking about and watching her finish that it just it just made me so happy um you know just that work we had put in and seeing it come to fruition at a high 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 level tournament like finishers was it just made me so happy second round she went against the number eight girl in the world sophia casilla now sophia is a beast in my opinion she might be the most dangerous her and probably grace gundrum are the most dangerous females at 115 offensively they've got tons of offensive firepower um sophia is is just a great grappler i've really enjoyed watching her and we had a game plan for sophia and nakaya did great in the first two minutes she exposed sophia's back and she almost got the back i mean she chair sitted she just didn't quite have the position and she ended up on bottom and her guard actually looked pretty good um, but Sophia, you know, she hit a, a movement that I just wasn't expecting. She ended up guillotining Nakaya, and I just thought there was no way that any of those girls could guillotine Nakaya. So it just presented new challenges, and I've been thinking about guillotine defenses, but you guys can hear just the way I'm talking, like I'm super fired up about helping athletes like individually and make huge improvements as like individuals. And it's funny, you know, me and Brandon have always been very fire and ice in the sense that the things that have really inspired me about jujitsu, like in the way that my game looks is, is pretty different than his. You know, we've obviously have some like overlapping fundamentals and, and Brandon's been one of the biggest influences on my jujitsu game. But again, our games look very, very different. And the people that we've studied and watched and really, you know, been enamored by um, are completely different as well. And you can see that, but it's the same way with this, like Brandon, he does not like working with individuals. He wants to teach 50, 100, 2,000 people classes, like as many people as possible. If you just have a microphone and have 1,000 people in a stadium, he would love that. He would do that every single day. Or me, that just, I, I, that's not me. And I've, I've, I've been teaching, you know, at 10th Planet Decatur for a couple of reasons. You know, I think the reason I, I've uh, like held on so long teaching is for a few reasons. One, there just really wasn't, anybody truly like high level that i felt like like me and brandon were the two best and so i just felt like it was my responsibility to share my jujitsu with the students in a class setting um and brandon wanted that as well but as i said now that we've got tons and tons of like really really good purple brown and even a few black belts like 
I don't feel that same responsibility. Um, you know, second, I honestly, I just, I thought it was something you had to do. Like if you wanted to be professional at jujitsu, you had to teach classes. And it's also something I'm starting to see like, no, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that at all. Now the experience was really, really good for me, you know, to spend all that time teaching classes, but it's not something that is like necessary, like to be a professional or like work at a jujitsu gym and to make it your full-time job. Like you don't have to teach classes. So those were kind of the, the big two, um, you know, that, that really kept me teaching for so long. Um, but yeah, I've really been transitioning into this coaching role more at the gym over the past year, but really specifically the past six months. Um, and again, I've been super lucky to have a couple of really dedicated athletes that have just, again, made me so passionate about, you know, I've always loved coming to the gym. I've always really enjoyed being and training and, and getting better the day-to-day -day grind at, that jujitsu kind of requires. But I, I just feel like I have this whole new like sense of purpose when I come to the gym. Like I, I'm just as excited again as like when I was a white belt. Like I just feel so happy to be at the gym now. And like tonight, me and Nakaya are going to be really doing some hard wrestling because she has a match coming up against Alex Enrique Saturday. Uh, Sapatero, the the championship for um, Sapatero at 130. And Alex is the the number, I think she's number five in the world at Black Belt and by Flow Grappling's rankings. And it's just another huge opportunity. And we've been game planning. and We've got a couple of different strategies that we're looking to use against. And we think stylistically, like Nakaya and Alex is a great matchup. We're expecting it to be a very high pace, a lot of wrestling, and I just think it's going to be a crazy match. And, uh, yeah, I'm super just happy to to see her succeed. And I, um, I always wondered that about myself. You know, when you transition, or especially like when you're a competitor, and I've talked about this before, when I was competing a lot, I, I felt like I was very selfish. Like I just felt like my grappling when I was out there on the mats, like everything was about me. And I've heard a lot of other competitors say that is you have to be selfish as a competitor everybody from like michael jordan to kobe bryant to like you've got to be like you've got to you've got to demand that your time is being spent well and you've got to be selfish with that you got to be an asshole sometimes to like get what you want and do what you want as a competitor and i just wondered how like i would feel as a coach you know trying to help other people succeed and like being in the background and not like being the one like the main of the main person in the in the formula and um, I, I love it. I, I love this way more than competing. I, I enjoy being there at the competitions and, you know, being on the sideline at finishers was was awesome. And I was really lucky that I got to step in for Lauren, um, Lauren Sears, who she, I think she was ranked in the top 10 by flow at one point. But Lauren's a, a good friend of ours at 10th Planet Decatur. And she's out of 10th Planet Austin. And, you know, she asked me to be in her corner. She just didn't have anybody. And, um, you know, we know each other. We, we've trained a few times together. And I just, I love seeing her performance as well. She ended up making it to the semifinals. And in between each match, we were kind of game planning a little bit. And it was just awesome to see her, you know, use some of the stuff we were talking about in her matches. And again, she she ended up losing to in the semifinals to Alex Nguyen, who you know, is an absolute monster. So I was just super proud of them. And it just, I don't know, I'm just really excited about what's next. And the reason I'm doing this podcast is because I, I want you guys to, think about where you're at in jujitsu and to really open your eyes to like, there's more paths than just opening up a school. 
there's more passive than just being a competitor because I, I feel like everybody thinks that like the only way to get successful at jujitsu is to be a world-class competitor or the only way to be successful at jujitsu is to like open up a gym. You can't be a pro like, no, I, I think there's so many different things, so many different areas that haven't been explored and yeah, you're going to have to, um, you know, you might have to, to compete a little bit to just get your toes wet and kind of understand what it's like to go out there and compete. Like, I'm really happy that I've done some really high level tournaments and I've faced some really high level guys. So I can understand what these, you know, competitors are going through as I'm coaching them. But I, I don't think that's necessary. I don't think that's necessary at all. So just listen to yourself, you know, for you guys, if you're teaching a class, like, do you enjoy teaching the class? Do you enjoy the more one-on-one -on -one work you're doing? Some guys, again, hate doing one-on-one -on -one work. I know a lot of guys that just can't stand doing private lessons or that can't stand like, oh, you know, it's more of a burden for them. They'd rather just go teach a class. And you just, I think you got to be honest with yourself about that. And I just feel like my time's going to be spent, even if it's only a couple hours a week, right, that I'm used to like teaching or especially if I'm filling in. But I feel like even just taking that off my plate it's going to allow me to become and put more energy into the couple of things that I really want to put my time into. And I just, I think that's super important that you're consistently filling those glasses that you want to fill. And if you have something, even if you feel like you're supposed to do it, if you feel like you're pouring, you know, yourself into something that you don't really truly want to do and you don't feel really passionate about anymore, then you just be better off just switching directions and letting that go just let it go it is kind of scary it is a little bit weird you know the thought of me not teaching a class at 10th planet decaders just it's kind of weird because i've been doing it for so long it's kind of become like a staple and i'm sure there's gonna be a few people that are like disappointed but i just i think it's gonna be the best thing for the school and also giving somebody else that opportunity to take a class over and see what they can do with it because I think passion trumps everything. Like if you find a passion and you're willing to work hard, like you can make anything work. But even if you're like really good, even you could be the best black belt in the world, but if you're not passionate about teaching your class, I mean, honestly, there's going to be people that get more out of a purple belts class. And that's kind of what I've been thinking. I'm like, ah, you know, I'm kind of showing up. I, I don't feel sometimes like being there like i don't like i don't really enjoy it it just feels more like a burden like somebody else there's a purple boat here there's a brown boat here that can do a better job than myself that's gonna be just more attentive that's gonna be more and like i'm thinking you know especially over the past couple of months i've been thinking more about a few individuals development rather than you know the whole class's development and that, that's not what a good teacher does and i, and I think when you recognize that in yourself you, you it makes the decision easy so I'm going to be spending more and more time and I, I really want to like create champions. Like I would really love to become somebody that like people knows like, oh man, like, you know, he's, he's created like an ADCC, like multiple ADCC champions. He's, you know, brought people to the UFC. Like I want to start doing more and more like MMA coaching. And, um, yeah, I just, I would love to help people again, competitors reach their goals. Like that's something, but uh, you know, I'm going to do an episode in the in the next couple of weeks uh, about kind of the people or about the coaching student relationship. And I kind of did an episode maybe a year or two ago, but I, I really have way more thoughts and especially about the relationships that I'm trying to develop. And 
you know, not everybody can be coached by you. You know what I'm saying? Like I, the best example I can think of is like AT, um, American top team, right? Like American top team has hundreds of coaches. I don't know about hundreds, but they've easily got like over 50 coaches and they've got all these MMA fighters, but not everybody is coached by the same person. Like some people just listen to this guy better or they want to work with her or him. And I think that's super important. And as a coach, I think you like, you have to let the relationships come to you. And so anyways, I'm going to do a lot more talking about like coaching athletes and how I look to coach people and the relationships that I'm looking for as a coach, you know, because again, there's just certain people that we just don't mesh well. I can already tell, like, we just don't speak the same language or, you know, some people want a super active coach or some people want a coach that kind of, you know, lets them have more um, say in what they do and yada, yada, yada. So I'm going to kind of talk about how I like to coach athletes and again, what I'm looking for right now. And I know that's going to change over the next couple of years. So there we go, guys. I guess I'm kind of announcing my mini little retirement from teaching. Um, I'll probably be teaching like over the course of like the next month, like once a week until we have like all my classes filled, but I know I at least have most of them. So yeah, we'll see. <laughs> Thanks guys for being patient. I know I haven't been putting out, I've been putting out as much content over this, really this year, over the past two months, it's been, it's been, uh, <laughs> definitely a lot lighter on the podcast side and um I'm, that's going to change I, i'm really still committed to this process and i've had a bunch of people hit me up asking me where they are I actually had a, a couple of people visit the 10th planet decay and like dude listen to your podcast but like dude like you gotta you need more content like we need more content from you you know i feel like there was a time you're doing three or four a week and over the past couple of months it's like been once a week maybe twice a week like we need more episodes so i still have plans to uh continue to grow this and a thousand episodes still the big goal for me i'd love to hit a thousand episodes over the next two or three years so i'm gonna make it happen Till next time guys love and appreciate you as always peace